0: Snack production. This is Global Truths with Dr Keith Suter, an international law expert, international relations expert, anything to do with international politics, you're all over it. Three PhDs, the man is a genius. That is why you do this podcast and break down situations that are quite complex, like the one we're going to discuss in a moment. And you make it very accessible and explain the history. And I love that about you. So, Keith, we've been working together for many years, talking today about Afghanistan because this is the war that just does not end, it would Mm. seem. And it's just quite extraordinary that it's still going and that there's not been really any accomplishments made in that country. It's still really fairly backwards on all fronts, on social fronts, uh, you know, infrastructure fronts, you name it.
1: What's going on? So, America's war in Afghanistan is the longest war it's ever had. It's gone on now for 18 years. It was triggered by the terrorist attacks um, on New York and uh, well, an attempted attack in, in Washington, D.C. So, that's 9 uh, 11, uh, September in the year 2001. So, it's gone. And so, shortly thereafter, the Americans needed to attack someone. Now, ironically, they attacked poor old Afghanistan. There were no Afghanis involved in the attack on the United States. Bin Laden, assuming that he was responsible for 9-11, I've got to say the more I learn about 9-11, the less I understand, but that's a separate problem. Let's assume that Bin Laden was involved with this attack. So Bin Laden was at that time being sheltered in Afghanistan. He's an Arab, so, when, so this is separate from Afghanistan, right? Afghanis are not Arabs. They're Muslim, but they're not Arabs. So he and his group of what were called the Afghan Arabs were at that time living in Afghanistan. They'd they'd moved around East Africa, being chased by the Americans because they'd been at war with bin Laden before 9-11. So most Americans didn't seem to understand that. So he's been
0: preaching hate against the US, essentially, wasn't he, in public forums for a very long time?
1: Since, um, in fact, the late uh, 1990s, he was very much... At the time of Clinton, in fact. Yeah. So he was based in Afghanistan. The Americans, in retaliation, just needed to attack a country and they opted for Afghanistan because that's where bin Laden was residing. But there were no Afghanis involved in the attack. Of the 19, most of them were from Saudi Arabia. But, of course, America won't touch Saudi Arabia because it's a great ally. So the Saudis escaped unscathed, indeed, Saudi royal family and, and friends flew out of the country immediately after 9-11. So there's, there's all sorts of question marks about who actually was involved with that attack. But the, the key thing is that there were no Afghanis. Bin Laden wasn't interested in recruiting poor Afghans. He needed smart, young people from Saudi Arabia because they're going to be trained to learn how to fly planes. Anyway, the Americans attacked Afghanistan. Only one major American politician said that was a mistake, Representative Barbara Lee, Democrat of California, and she was spot on. She warned about the the risk of going into Afghanistan and the fact Afghanistan is called the graveyard of empires. The Afghanis are very nice, welcoming people. Indeed, um, older Australians will remember going through Afghanistan on their camper van. My mom, Your mom, She drove from Israel, I think, <laughs>
0: across... Through Pakistan yep, and Afghanistan it. and all sorts back in the seventies. Yeah,
1: very, very welcoming, and no doubt she consumed some of the local product as Ma- well.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and, I, and also though she remembers these huge mountains and, and how eerie it was yeah. because the landscape there.
1: <clears throat> so it's actually the roof of the world. It's uh, in geological terms, it's where India has collided with China. And so as these two continents are coming together, they force up the Himalayas. Mm. So you're at the western end of the Himalayas. So Afghanistan is warm and welcoming, providing you don't try to occupy it. But as Alexander the Great will tell you, it's risky to try to occupy Afghanistan. The British in the 19th century also tried to do that. Indeed, the young Winston Churchill got military experience serving in Afghanistan. And he said, uh, trying to beat an Afghani warrior is a bit like jumping into a river and catching a fish with your bare hands. So that was Winston Churchill 120 years ago warning about trying to fight in Afghanistan. So... 9-11 comes around, the Americans get involved in the the war in Afghanistan. I should point out, by the way, that before the Americans got bogged down there and after the British had failed, you had a a period when the Russians had invaded in 1979 and stayed there for a decade. The Americans lulled them into attacking Afghanistan because the, the Americans were encouraging the revival of fundamentalist Islam along the southern strip of the old Soviet Union. And so the Russians intervened in Afghanistan to try to clamp down on this revival because the great fear of the Soviet Union was that although it's a communist country it had a thriving Islamic population in its southern areas which are now all separate you know Kazakhstan except Tajikistan they're all now separate countries in their own right so it's part of breaking up of the old Soviet empire which the Tsars had had previously created. So the Americans encouraged groups like bin Laden, who ran a group called Al-Qaeda, the base, to fight the Russians. And the CIA armed bin Laden and others to fight the Russians. In 1979, uh, as they invaded, a decade later, under Mikhail Gorbachev, they left. Gorbachev said, we're never going to win in Afghanistan. We're just going to get out of Afghanistan. CIA then had to go back in, by the way, and then try to buy up some of the military equipment because they're useful for shooting down aircraft. So, <laughs> oh, God. So it could be used on passenger aircraft, etc. So anyway, so in 1989, the Russians pull out. The Americans suddenly lose interest in Afghanistan. They've got no more commitment to it. The country falls into further chaos as the Afghani groups start to fight out among themselves. Eventually, a group of uh, young scholars called the Taliban, meaning scholar or seeker after truth, they ended up taking control of a large part of Afghanistan. So they are ethnic Pashtuns, Pathans. So that's the southern part of Afghanistan and the eastern part of Afghanistan. And they operate under strict Sharia law. And the Americans financed them because they were very good on drugs. Remember, the Americans are concerned about, you know, Americans have got a war on drugs. And so the Taliban were willing to receive American money to stop the growing of the drugs in Afghanistan. So in the lead up then to 9-11, you had the Taliban running most of Afghanistan and they then gave refuge to Osama bin Laden, who's equally strict in terms of his Sharia outlook, but has a different political agenda. The Taliban simply want to control Afghanistan. That's the, uh, and a bit of Pakistan because they actually straddled the border between Afghanistan and Pakistan. But they've got no global agenda, whereas bin Laden did have a global agenda. He wanted to create an Islamic commonwealth stretching around the world in which all Muslims would need to be involved. And that was also, of course, the global ambition of the Islamic State as well. So bin Laden stayed in Afghanistan, conducted the operation, we assume, on 9-11 in 2001. The Americans needed to attack somebody. They didn't attack the Sa- Saudi Arabia, even though that's where almost all of the warriors came from, the terrorists came from. So they, they decided to bomb Afghanistan. They asked Afghanistan to hand over bin Laden. There's some dispute as to what exactly their reaction was, but the Americans took it as being a rejection of the American request. And so they just went in and invaded Afghanistan. A very unwise move in retrospect, if you think back to what was involved, but simply by a lesson of history. You know, Alexander the Great, the British, the Russians, the Americans somehow figured they could do better.
0: They ignored history. They
1: ignored history. They don't pay enough attention to history. So the Americans then began this struggle So that begins in 2001. And then in 2003, they take their eye off the ball by invading Iraq. So the war in Afghanistan is still ticking over, but President Bush is far more concerned about Iraq and, of course, ran this propaganda campaign saying that Saddam Hussein was behind 9-11. But, of course, he wasn't. And Saddam Hussein and Osama bin Laden did not like each other. Remember, one is a fundamentalist Muslim with global ambitions. Saddam Hussein is a nationalist in Iraq, who just simply wants to be able to con- or wanted to be able to control Iraq, and in fact permitted women to um, to be in the Iraqi parliament. Not that the Iraqi parliament had any significance, but women were allowed in public life. He was a socialist. Very different from Bin Laden. If Bin Laden were to come into this room now, he would ignore you. As far because as I'm you're female. concerned, you're mm. half naked to start with. He certainly won't shake hey, your hey, hand. Hey,
0: hey, hey! Don't, don't give the wrong picture to the <laughs> listeners. I have a singlet on. <laughs> but yes, so, in his book, so yes. So you've
1: got two very different people. But you know, the Americans were convinced that, or some of them were, that Saddam Hussein was responsible for 9/11, and that's why the Americans then took their eye off Afghanistan, kept the forces there, but really put their attention into Iraq which has turned out to be a disaster as well. And Trump says he was opposed to that as well. We don't know for sure. There are always conflicting opinions. But in the 2016 election campaign, Donald Trump promised to get out of Afghanistan. The problem for any American leader is that they cannot afford to be seen to be losing a war. So if you go back to Vietnam, it was quite clear that America was not going to win in Vietnam. We know that now from all the historical documents that have been made available to the presidents, particularly Lyndon Johnson, uh, even CIA, who'd saved the life of Ho Chi Minh during World War II. CIA kept sending reports in, we are not going to win this war. But no American president, either Lyndon Johnson or his successor, Richard Nixon, could admit to losing that war. And the same with Afghanistan. Clearly, the Americans are never going to win in Afghanistan. Bush could not afford to say, we're not going to win in Afghanistan. Having committed the troops, you can't suddenly now start to withdraw. Obama simply rolled along for the next eight years, not wanting to be the first president to lose the war in Afghanistan, even though nothing was being achieved. And now Donald Trump has inherited it. And Trump, to his credit, is saying, this war is unwinnable. We've got to get our way out of here.
0: This is Global Truths with Dr. Keith and we're talking about Afghanistan, a very, very long war that's been going on since 2001. Uh, the Americans can't get out of it, but Trump, Donald Trump has said he will get out of it. Keith, where is he at? What will it take?
1: Well, they're currently conducting secret negotiations in the Middle East. So American representatives are meeting the Taliban because the Americans expect the Taliban to take back over control of Afghanistan, right? They had their own government in Afghanistan, my advice to those people would be to get out as quickly as possible. Oh, Otherwise, you're going to end up swinging from the lampposts. That's what happened to the Soviet puppets who were in Afghanistan. When the, the Afghanists took over, they just cut them all up and then hung the remains from lampposts in like, Kabul.
0: Like it's 500 years ago. Exactly.
1: Exactly <laughs> it. And so the Trump administration is conducting secret negotiations with the Taliban. The Taliban itself is is divided uh, really as to what should be done the problem for the americans is that they have an image of a war ending via a treaty so they go back to the ending of the american civil war in 1865 when uh, general robert e lee surrendered at appomattox and there was this very clear formal signing ceremony or the end of world war 2 when the japanese met with the americans and and their allies on board the American aircraft carrier and signed the surrender document, right? That's what's in American minds. President Trump cannot afford to actually lose the war. Neither could Richard Nixon. And so the technique is to create a decent interval, right? The Americans leave, and then there is a gap of two years, and then the other side takes over. So if you think back, you have the Paris Peace Deal, which uh, Henry Kissinger negotiated 1973, The takeover was in 1975. There has to be a decent interval. That's what Trump's negotiators, we think, are saying to the Taliban. Look, just let us sign an agreement and you guys restrain yourself for a year or two. So we can boast about having sorted out the war in Afghanistan, get it off the front page of the New York Times, then you take over the country. The Taliban are saying, no, we've got you beaten. We want you to go now. No conditions, just get out. And this is where it's becoming very difficult for the Trump administration, because Trump will be forced to admit that he's a president who has lost a war. That is the mess that we're in. So, so far, about two and a half thousand American service personnel have died. There's no light at the end of the tunnel. These negotiations are underway, but the Taliban are not giving much ground. And of course, the problem that Donald Trump will have, let's assume that before November of next year... They're able to do a deal with the Taliban, a face-saving deal that enables Trump to pull out of Afghanistan. You will then end up with a rerun of what we're seeing at the moment in Syria, this notion that you are betraying your allies, right? So if you cast your mind back to Syria, it's the Kurds who've helped the Americans who are now being betrayed by the Americans because the Americans are pulling out of Syria The same thing will happen in Afghanistan because they've tried to introduce democracy into Afghanistan. They've tried to educate girls. They've got women to have careers. All of that will change when the Taliban take over. They do not approve of women being educated. They do not approve of women being outside the home.
0: So the Taliban hasn't modernised at all?
1: No. And they have a very clear doctrinal position. So the Americans then will be accused of leaving their allies in the lurch, just as we've seen in Syria, and you've got a whole new generation of people who've grown up used to American consumerism as one of the you know great signs of modern world. You've got consumer goods, etc., television, music. When the Taliban took over, they smashed all the television sets, they hung them from the trees, and they banned music.
0: And how long ago was that?
1: So that was. Um, uh, what are we t- we're in the lead up to 2001? So they, they were running the country for about five years, or most of the country from the mid 90s to 2001.
0: But why, why are those guys in a position to take over again? Why aren't there a secondary force or a secondary sort of.
1: A well organised, yeah. well motivated group, guerrilla group, fighting on their own terrain with the support of the local population is virtually unbeatable.
0: But do the local population want to go
1: backwards? Well, by the looks of it, yes. You know, you've got a lot of you've got a lot of men who feel threatened by these women who talk back at you, and women who are very sassy, you know, very talkative, etc. There are a lot of men who feel threatened by this new role of women within a conservative Islamic society. Remember, this is why I talk about the Islamic civil war. One of the things that they're trying to sort out is going to be the role of of women within their religion. In the same way, we've had it within Christianity. I don't want to be seen to be you know, boasting that we're any better as Christians than the Muslims. Similarly, the same with the Jews. Mm. They also have their own disputes. Some part of Judaism will accept female rabbis. Others certainly will not. There are some parts of Israel, for example, where if you go around dressed as you are today, not only would you offend Bin Laden, but you'd also offend some of the Jewish people. Oh, gosh, people. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Very conservative. Yeah.
1: Mm. Okay. So th- there is this... Problem generally within religion. How do you reconcile an old religion, be it Islam, Christianity, Judaism, with modern ideas about the role of women, um, the role of consumerism, etc.? So it's, it's a real tussle that's going on. And you've got a lot of people in uh, the Pathan or Pashtun area, which is southern Afghanistan, eastern Afghanistan, who would say, look, we really haven't benefited very much from um, all of this money that's flowed into the country. It's gone into the pockets of American contractors or other Western contractors. Hasn't come down to the grassroots. We really haven't benefited from it. We don't like this experiment. We're being modern. Let's go back to the way of life that we knew. And, And Donald Trump is trying to get America out of that mess. Thank
0: you, Keith. Always informative. Thank you. Global Truths was presented by Dr. Keith Suter and me, Kate Mack. Produced by Matt Dwyer. Audio production by Darcy Thompson. Listener.